Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. God is good, isn't he? <laughs> it's good to see all of you this morning on this sunshiny. How many of you glad to see? I thought I lived in Seattle for a minute. I was like, what is all this fog and wet stuff? I'm not sure what this is. It was awesome for a few days, but I'm glad to see the sunshine. How about you? Amen. Amen. So today we're going to have Vision Weekend, and Vision, my, my message here is all about where we're going as a church in this next year. And so I want you to really embrace it. Uh, you can go on the app and take notes along with. The notes are there. You can break it down and write your own notes and then save it for later to study. But today, I want you to really lean in. I want you to hear what we're saying. I want you to take it as a challenge for yourself personally. And I want you to engage in it. Because I know God's going to do something significant. So today, you know our vision, our vision statement as a church or, or just the phrase is connect, grow, go. So the title of my message today is connect, grow, go, and make disciples. And so today I want to read from the text, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Everybody read it with me as it's up on the screen. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And we're going to read. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, let's read this one more time. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Father, we ask you to to deposit your vision in our heart today. I pray, God, that you will literally strengthen us, encourage us, but most importantly, empower us, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit to, to change lives, to make a difference, that as we leave this place today, something will have happened to us that will affect the world around us, that, God, we won't just be here for our four and no more, but, God, we'll be here for everything we can be in your kingdom, in your purpose, in your cause, to change lives Everywhere we go, Lord, let, let us impact lives on our jobs. Let us impact lives in our business. Let us impact lives at our schools. Let us impact lives all over our circle of influence. God, in Jesus' name, let our neighborhoods be saved. Let this city be saved, God. Use us to make a difference in the lives of people. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated after telling somebody next to you how good they look today. Praise God. So I read something this week that I thought was interesting and funny, and so I'm going to share it with you. There was a couple uh, that invited their pastor over for lunch, he and his family, and they invited him over, and they had such a good time, good fellowship, and the pastor was so nice, and the family was so nice, and these people were so nice, and they just had a great meal and great time, and and then after the fellowship was over and the pastor and his family were leaving, uh, 
Uh, they said goodbye, and then the, the host, the hostess of the, the day, the wife of the man who had invited his pastor over, said, honey, one of our knives are missing. And uh, he said, oh, I, don't know what, I don't know what you mean. He said, well, I've counted all of the silverware after the meal. One of our knives is missing. And he said, well, she said, do you think the pastor stole it? And he said, well, of course I don't think the pastor stole the knife. He said, what? He said uh, why don't you look in the trash? You probably, when you're cleaning things up, you probably threw it in the trash by accident. She looked in the trash. And, 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 and so she just got convinced in her head that this pastor stole her knife. So all year, all year, she's concerned about it. Like for a whole year, she's thinking, man, I know he stole that knife. Why would he steal my knife? I can't believe he stole my knife. So she decided after a year's time of worrying and fretting over this, she's going to ask her pastor to come back over the house. So they invited him back over, and the, the pastor and his family came, and they enjoyed the fellowship and the food, and it was so good, and just enjoyed every minute of it. And finally, the wife couldn't take it anymore. She just had to ask. She just had to. And I'm sure to the embarrassment of her husband, she said, Pastor, I got to know, last year after you left, we had one less knife than we have. I just have to know, did you take my knife? And he said, well, of course I didn't take your knife. I put it in your Bible. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so I want to say thank you to all of you that took the challenge and stuck with it and made it happen. That was awesome. The rest of you go look at home and see if you can find my knife. All right. So I'm just joking. I do really want to encourage you that if you didn't make it all through or you started late, just like uh, Shelly said, man, let, let's make sure and just keep after it. Listen, our goal here to get you to take that challenge is that everyone is having a daily communion with God because that's what believers are supposed to do. Christians are supposed to have a daily communion with God. Remember, we talked about discipleship is daily. Jesus so many times said daily, worship daily, pray daily, study daily, be with me daily. The church grew daily. This is how we need to be thinking. This is how we need to be operating. This is how we need to be doing. So every day you should make an appointment with God. You should keep that appointment and you should... Make that appointment at times you know you'll succeed at it and you know you'll keep doing it. And then you go through the chapter. Don't read t tons of things. Read one chapter, two chapters, and just ruminate over those. And then ask the question, God, what are you saying to me today out of this? And then just pray and seek God and write and journal. And, you've, and we've taught on and showed you all the statistical positives that come out of that. When you do it every day, at least four times a week, it literally, literally changes your life. And so I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with something, your answer is not to go try to find answers in the world. Your answer is to every day have some time with God. Amen? So the first thing, before we want to get into the vision of 2024, we need to, we need to look at what happened in 2023. And so I want to share some things with you. I won't share everything, but I'll, I'll, I will share a few things. Um, 2023, our church attendance... Uh, year over year grew by 18 percent. Uh, we had approximately 200 people make a decision to follow Christ. We had 35 water baptisms. Uh, our missions and outreach giving was e extremely well. We had Christmas party for foster kids. We had iHeart Canyon School adoption, which that in of itself was $10,000. We had crisis aid to 
to cities that were struck by tornadoes. I don't know if you remember that, but we took up offerings and we sent it to them and even went and did some work there. Um, uh, in our benevolence, we gave uh, almost $14,000 just in benevolence, people who needed help here in the church. Uh, small, uh, our small groups grew, men's and women's event growth. Our, our, our women's ministry grew by 22%. Our men's ministry grew by 74%. Um, our baby dedications, we, we, we dedicated seven babies last year, and, and we see a lot more coming. So, uh, you know, you grow the church one way or another. Come on, get busy, people. Uh, uh, we added 27 families this year that not just came to church, but they came and they stayed. Over half of them are in a small group today. Over half of them are being personally discipled by another leader. And over half of them are on our serve team already. So let's just give God praise for all the good things he has done. This scripture, Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, kind of personifies our vision. It kind of encapsulates who we are and what we're trying to do as a church. And I'm saying this to you that are in this room and those of you who are watching online, we believe in the Great Commission. We believe that it's not just our responsibility as believers to be Christian, but we believe it's our responsibility as believers to be disciples and to make disciples. We believe that God has called us to share our faith. We believe that God has empowered us to share our faith. We believe that God doesn't want us just living a barely spiritually surviving life, but a spiritually thriving life. He wants our marriages thriving. He wants our families thriving. He wants our church thriving. He wants our homes thriving. God has called us to overcome all anything that would stand in the way of being that great commission believer. That person who says, I am a disciple of Jesus and I am making disciples for Jesus. Now, let me just share with you and help you to understand before I move any further that there's a difference in what the Western world calls a Christian and a person who's really a disciple of Jesus. Now, there aren't categories in Christianity. Some people, they're Christians and they're the kind of fire protection Christians. You know what I'm talking about? Fire insurance. I'm just going to pray that prayer, make sure I don't go to hell. That's the kind of Christians a lot of those Christians. Then we have Christians in, in our culture today that are just that. They're cultural Christians. They're, they're doing the things Christians do, but they're not necessarily having a relationship with Jesus, which is a problem because there are those who are going to stand before God. In, in Matthew chapter 7, we see people are going to stand before God and say, well, didn't I do this and didn't I do that? And Jesus is going to say, I'm sorry, you can't stay. I don't know you. So th there's a problem with just going through the motions. There's a problem with sitting on the fence. There's a problem with just adding Jesus to our lives. That's not what Christianity is. It's not people who say, I'm going to ask God to come into my life and add him to my already existing life. In other words, I've got my life going. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then I just want Jesus to come alongside and bless it. But that's not the way Christianity works. The way Christianity works is we say, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? Where are you going? And I'm attaching myself to that. I'm not just asking you to come along and I'll talk to you when I get a chance. I'm asking you to let me follow you. I don't know if you've noticed that, but even when we do salvation calls here, we don't say, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? We say, are you ready to follow Jesus? 
because there's a difference. We can pray a little prayer and say, oh, I prayed that prayer. Or we can say, no, I'm committing my life to Jesus. I, how would you not commit your life to Jesus? Amen. I mean, come on. You, you know he's the son of God. This is what you're saying you believe. You know he's the son of God. You know that God raised him from the dead. You know he died on the cross for your sins. You know he's coming back again. How could you not say, I'm following that guy. I'm following him because he is the king of all kings and he is the Lord of all lords and he is the creator of the universe and the sustainer of the universe and he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. I'm following him. How, how could that not be our response? But unfortunately, it, it is a lot of times our response. So what we know is, is we know that being a disciple is being not only just a person who connects, but we also are a person who grows. We believe in spiritual maturity, not spiritual immaturity. We know that we all come into this thing like a baby, but God wants to teach us and train us and develop us so that we grow into mature adult believers. Amen. We got too many people still in diapers that should have been, should have been leading to something already, right? Amen. But you're still, still playing with sin, still messing around, still wishing things were different when you could just commit your life to Jesus and follow him as your Lord and let him direct and guide your life. Come on, somebody. Are you here with me today? Yeah, well, there's three people here with me, and I'm glad for them. Amen. So if you read this scripture, then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And, and by the way, that word nations there, we, we, would, we would translate that countries. In our mind, we think countries. We need to go to all the countries of the world. That's not what this word means at all. It has that implication. But the truth of this translation is that word is ethnos, which means ethnic. In other words, go to every ethnic group. So we want everybody in the world to know Jesus, to love Jesus. We want them to know Jesus loves them and he cares for them and he wants them to be a part of his family. This is why any kind of prejudice in the church is absolutely not happening. It is not the way God wants it. It is not the way God sees it. It is not the way God wants it to be. And so if you have any of that in your heart, you need to understand you were called to reach people who are not like you. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't get quiet on me. Right? Somebody say amen. 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 So when we read this passage of Scripture, it says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's what we find. We find that this passage of Scripture encapsulates every part of our vision. He says, Go and make disciples of all nations. That's go. That's go. That's what we believe. We believe go. And that may mean go to Africa. I don't know if you were here uh, Wednesday night, but if you weren't here Wednesday night, all I can say to you is you missed it, man. I'm telling you, you missed it. You should go watch it on video, but it's not going to be the same. It, it was amazing and powerful. And I don't know anybody who was here that didn't gain some perspective and some joy and some peace about their own circumstances and situations. Wow. But we believe we should go, go to places like Africa, go to places like Asia, go to places like Europe and Russia and all of these places to carry the gospel. But you know what? We also believe you should go across your street. 
We, should, we believe you should go see your neighbor and talk to them about Jesus. We believe you should share your faith in every context and in every situation as much as you possibly can. That's what it means to go. And that was the commission that Jesus gave us. This wasn't coming from the Apostle Paul. This wasn't coming from Peter. Although they have their right, by the, empowered by the Holy Spirit to write those things to us, and we should take that just as seriously. The truth is, this came out of Jesus' mouth. And it was the last thing he said to his disciples before he ascended to the Heavenly Father. And he said, this go he said go so he wasn't saying just you 12 go he was saying from now on the establishment of the church because Jesus is the one who said upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail again well why would the gates of hell have to keep us out if we're not going so the challenge to the New Testament church is go Go to your neighbor, go to your friends, go to your family, go to other nations, go across the city, go to other places. Find somewhere to talk about Jesus to somebody so it will change their life. Uh, the second thing is it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is connection. We believe wholeheartedly that at Summit Church, we are here to connect with God and to connect with each other. There should always be a connection happening. When you come and worship, listen, you should be making connections, not just with people, but with God, with the Holy Spirit. When you worship, don't just sing songs, make a connection. Come on, are you with me? Lift your hands, worship the Lord. He's worthy of your praise, but more than that, he wants to connect with you. And so then connect with others, encourage them. The Bible says it's the very reason that we assemble together, so we can edify one another and lift one another up and encourage one another. I know I'm talking fast, but I'm excited this morning, so just get with me. You get in my rhythm, don't expect me to come to you. Come on, let's do it. Uh, uh, the three, because I'd have to go to sleep. Somebody say amen. No, I'm just kidding. Clap your hands, clap your hands, clap your hands. I just wanted to hear that you're there. Okay. Number three, teaching them to obey everything you ha that I have commanded you. Grow. So in this great commission, these three words that we have connected to as our vision are right there. Go, connect, grow. Connect, grow, go. And so our job here is to build, to strengthen, to develop, to equip you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that God, when Jesus Christ, he, he who ascended also descended and he gave gifts to men. And those gifts were apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist. And all of these gifts, God said they were for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So the truth is when you come here this Sunday morning, this is not the Super Bowl of Christianity. A lot of times I hear pastors tell their staffs that. I've even said it myself. And, and a lot of times people view it as that. They come to church and they spectate because they think they're at a game. Let's go watch the ministry team do ministry. And let's go participate as far as we're allowed to participate. But that's not the way the body of Christ works. This isn't the Super Bowl. This isn't game day. This is the locker room. And when you come in here on Sundays, what we're doing is we're giving you equipment to go out and play the game on Monday and play the game on Tuesday and run the offense on Wednesday and take care of the defense on Thursday and then on Friday, your special teams and then on Saturday, whatever the case may be, we're here today to equip you, to empower you, to connect with you in order that your faith might be built, your mind, heart, and spirit might be connected and committed 
committed to Christ so that when you leave these four walls, you're not thinking about, well, I got me some good teaching today or, well, that felt good to be in the presence of God or, well, I was encouraged today. No, you're thinking like, man, what did God say to me that I can say to somebody else? How did God touch my heart that I can touch someone else's heart with that? How can I be the hands and feet of Jesus as he has touched my soul and picked me out and chosen me to be a part of his family? How dare I set on the treasure that God has given me and the power that God has given me? Man, start praying for people that are sick. Start talking to people who are lost. Start reaching to people who need help. Come on. Are you guys with me this morning? Amen. Amen. So if we're committed to developing discipleship in 2024, and that is what our vision is, we're going to do all the same outreaches we do every year. We're going to do all the activities that we do every year. We're going to reach to foster families. We're going to reach to our educational community. We're going to reach to the community of Canyon. We've got lots of things planned. But that is not the impetus of this year. That is not the motivation of this year. The motivation of this year is to get all of us to truly become disciples and make disciples. Uh, the, the motivation of us this year is to begin to understand God has called us and we have made a commitment as a pastor. I've made a commitment that I'm going to do everything I can that everyone who calls Summit Church home this year will be discipling at least one person. Even if it's someone in their family, they will be actively discipling someone this year. Now, I want you to imagine, if you will, if every single one of us who call Summit Church home, now obviously, that, you know, if you were to get all of our church to come at one day, this place would be packed. So we kind of have a rotation going, which every church is dealing with right now in the way the world is. But I just want you to know, I know, I know the data. And I'm telling you right now, if every single person in this church said, I'm going to disciple one person, it would be revolutionary for this community. It would be revolutionary for this city. It'd be revolutionary for your family. Uh, our friends at Watoto, they've always had a vision, and I, I've loved it. And one part of their vision is each one reach one. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, uh, w w when you say, well, you know, that's not a lot. Well, it's a lot for some of us. Somebody say amen, because some of us are reaching zero right now. Uh, you didn't hear me. It's time we got honest about this. Like, is my Christianity no more deep than that is I just reach myself? I let it reach me, but it doesn't go beyond me. Well, hey, what's it going to take in our society or culture for us to wake up and go, hey, hold on a minute. Somebody better be shining a light around here. It's getting awfully dark. Hey, come on. So, so, so what, what are we going to do? That church has a vision. Each one reach one. Do you know how many people they run on a Sunday morning and you've gone to Africa? Over 40,000 people. Those, that choir that was up here Wednesday night, those are all orphans. Those are all children who were left on a, on a pile of trash. And someone picked them up and took them to Watoto because they knew the Watoto church would take care of them. And they put them in their system, which is an unbelievable model for taking care of orphans and widows. And they build whole villages of which we have been responsible for building classrooms and buildings on those villages. 
so that they can have medical care, so that they can have education, so that they can have ministry. Now, why are you just talking to me about Watoto? Because I'm telling you, if Watoto can get a vision to do what God's told them to do in Uganda, Africa, shame on us if we can't become disciples in the United States of America. We have far more freedom and far more ability to do what God has called us to do. Come on, somebody. It is a shame that any of us would come to church without someone with us. Amen? I'm just trying to get my family here. Well, why don't you try to get your family and your next door neighbor here? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you're not reaching far enough. Maybe you're not thinking big enough. Maybe you're not wanting more of what God has for you. And I think all of us, if we would do that, man, I'm telling you, I think it changed the world. I think it changed your neighborhood. I think it changed this city. Well, everybody in this city goes to church. Well, number one, that's a lie. They all say they go to church, but they, none of them go to church. Come on, somebody say Amen. I belong to this church. Ask them who their pastor is. <laughs> y'all just ain't going to laugh today. Come on, some of y'all are laughing. Some of y'all understand what I'm saying. So if, if that is our call, if that is the vision, then, Pastor, you tell us that, but what do we do with that? Like, you're telling me to go be a disciple, but how do I, how do, I do that? How do I make disciples? I, I, you know, I, I just... I just don't know what to do with that. I mean, yes, I understand that's what God told us to do. Yes, I understand. And, I, and really, in my deep heart, I want, I want to do it. But, man, I just don't know. I don't know what that looks like. And I understand that. I get that. Because, honestly, the church has failed you. I'm not talking about our church and in this context. I'm talking about the church. In church history, we have failed you. Over a period of time, we have lost that desire and that inspiration and we've we've put this we've put this kind of barrier in between occupational ministers and what we used to call lay ministers which is everybody who knows Jesus and 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 we've created this barrier and it's made the church or believers feel that it's all about this it's all about this service it's all about coming and watching. It's all about observation. But the Lord told me several years ago, and I'm speaking this and declaring this over this church right now. You. I'm declaring this over you right now. This is no longer a season of observation. This is a season of participation. Amen. And I'm not just talking about participation in events. I'm not just talking about participation in things that the church puts on. I'm talking about participation in kingdom advancement. Are you, are you hearing me? I'm talking about carrying the mantle of Jesus Christ, carrying the message of Jesus. Do you know what the church is supposed to be? You know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be a bunch of little Marys. Because if you really just, if you really just think about what Mary was doing, Mary, when she conceived Jesus, she was just carrying the gospel. That's all she was doing. She was just carrying the gospel. And then when she birthed Jesus, the gospel came in. The kingdom came into the earth. This is why John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. That's what we're supposed to be doing, carrying the gospel. We should be always and consistently pregnant with the gospel, waiting for opportunities to birth that into someone else's life. 
Think of if you carried the gospel to someone else and the Holy Spirit ministers their heart, they give their life to Jesus. You have just birthed the gospel into the earth. You have just advanced the kingdom into the earth. And I want to tell you, as someone who has seen a lot of people come to Jesus through salvation calls and individual conversations and, and friendships, I'm telling you, there's no greater feeling of purpose and fulfillment in the world than to see somebody, because you shared faith with them, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. So what does that look like, though? I hear you saying we need to do it. What does it look like? Number one. It looks like an invitation. Everybody say invitation. I think it comes down to what do you think about being a Christian? I think it comes down to are you intimidated? Is this world intimidating you to be full on for Christ? Is the darkness of this world squelching your light? Is, is there a bushel affecting your purpose? You know, Jesus said, take the light out from underneath the bushel. What are you doing? We don't hide the light. We, we let the light out. And I think it comes back to how do I feel about it? Am I embarrassed of it? Am I intimidated of it? Do I feel like I can't share this because people will think this or that? Or, you know, my boss has told me, da, da, da. Now, listen, don't be silly. I'm not saying go witness all day instead of do your work because that's a bad witness. Somebody say amen. Oh, boy, you're a great Christian. You sure can talk a good game. When are you going to do your job? Right? This is why the Bible said that our behavior should be a light to the people around us that something's different. When everybody else is talking about the boss, no, we're not. We're just doing our job. Right? And this gives you an opening. Why are you different? Why is your life different? Why are you facing the same circumstances I am, but you seem to have peace or you seem to have joy or you seem to have somewhere to turn? That's your opening to say, well, let me just tell you why. It's Jesus. C come on, guys. This is the way it works. We need to make an invitation. And Jesus modeled this for us. When I started really getting studying discipleship again and really start hearing from the Lord that this is the direction we need to go. One thing the Lord spoke to me, he said, I don't understand why the church is constantly trying to um, modify or make my method better. Like, how can you improve on Jesus' methodology? How can you improve on it? Like, are we literally, as the church, saying, uh, uh, well, you know, that's the way Jesus did it, but really... We have to do it differently, or we could do it in a better way, or we could make it more efficient, or we could be more effective at it. Really? See, I'm getting amens. I'm getting amens out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. But really? Come on. Really? We're better at this than Jesus? No, that, those are called rationalizations. And it's an excuse for why we aren't doing what God wants us to do. Now, now, pardon me if you are living this life and you're sharing your faith and you're reaching people. Man, God bless you. But I'm inspiring you, encouraging you today. Come on, it's time for you to step into that. It's time for you to step into that kind of faith. Well, I just don't want my friends to think I'm weird. Listen, if your friends think you're weird for sharing Jesus, then let them think you're weird. The apostle Peter said, who should we be, whose opinion should matter to us? Should it be Jesus' opinion or should it be man's opinion? I'm choosing Jesus. How about you? 
So Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, it says, Come follow me. Jesus said, I will send you out to fish for people. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and NIV says, follow me, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is Paul talking. So it starts with an invitation. Ask someone if they want to take this journey with you. When we first started doing this, all of our staff members, I said, hey, I want you to call people or text people, 10 or 12 people, and I want you to ask them, would you be interested to sit down with me regularly just for the purpose of your spiritual edification? Just maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, maybe once a month. But consistently, we're getting together just to build you up spiritually. And we started doing that. About 85% of the people that we asked to do it said, yes, I want to do it. Some have continued with that. Some have fallen off from that. But the truth is we're doing that on a regular basis. What I'm asking is that this church, the people that call this church home, start doing the same. And it starts with an invitation. This is a journey we're all on. So ask somebody to go on the journey with you. This is all Jesus did. When Jesus came up to the disciples, he wanted to build a relationship with them. And he said, what did he say? He gave them an invitation. Hey, I'd like for you to be on my team. Come be with me. And what did they do? They dropped everything and they came. Why? Because everyone has spiritual hunger. Everyone. They may not know that's what it is, but that's what it is. They're seeking for the fulfillment of that hunger in all kinds of different ways. Relationships, money, substances, uh, uh, excitement, you know, riches, whatever, houses, neighborhoods, whatever. That's where the, if I could just this, I would be fulfilled. If I could just this, I would be fulfilled. But the truth is what they're looking for is Jesus. And they just don't know that's what they're looking for. And how do we know that? Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God put eternity in every human heart. The Bible says in the New Testament that every man has been given a measure of faith. So there is something inside of you that when you start sharing the gospel, it resonates with the heart of man. Regardless, they may put on a hard shell. They may act like they don't get it. They may act like they don't want it. But if you, in love and sincerity, share the gospel with them, I can promise you, I can promise you, it resonates at some level with them. And it may just be a seed you plant. Come on. But somebody else is going to come alongside and water that seed because the Holy Spirit's going to send them. And then that seed is going to continue to get watered, continue to get watered until one day it's going to grow up to fruition and this person is going to make a decision to follow Christ. Now they could reject Christ. That's their free will choice. But if we'll do what we're supposed to do, the chances of them coming to Jesus are far greater than not. Amen. So it starts with an invitation weekly, bi-weekly or monthly. It can be over coffee. It could be over a meal or even at your house. It's just about relationship. That's all it's about. You have a relationship with Jesus, share that relationship with someone else. The second thing it is, is an education. Everybody say education. 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 It, it, it means that our goal here is to teach them to do what I have commanded you. In other words, we're, we, in these relationships, we're to discuss the word of God, especially the gospels and the two great commandments with them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That you're really teaching people that God loves them and really teaching them that God wants them in his family and really teaching them that God has a purpose and destiny for their life and really teaching them that these are the principles and the commands of God for you. And if you'll follow them, great things will happen in your life. We should be asking questions that provoke deeper spiritual thought. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
uh, verse 14 through 17, it says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, uh, what I want you to notice there is the teaching part. This is what we're doing when we disciple someone. We're teaching them about Jesus. We're teaching them about what Jesus wants and what Jesus desires and what Jesus wants to do in their life and what Jesus wants them to do. We're teaching. But, but, but we've got to get the point past the point where we don't like to be taught ourselves. There's something that's invaded the church, this, this thing that's invaded the church. It's just sin is all it is. And it's this, I don't want someone to tell me or I don't want someone to judge me. How many have heard that a million times? You're just judging me. You don't judge me. Please. How about this? You judge yourself and change your behavior. Come on, somebody say amen. Every time I hear somebody say that, all they're saying is don't correct me. And do you know a person who says, don't correct me, is saying, I want to remain stupid for the rest of my life? No, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm saying that because that's what Proverbs says. Proverbs literally says in the NIV, it says, if you refuse to receive correction, you are stupid. Because if we can't be corrected, then we cannot change. If we cannot change, we cannot become better. And if we cannot become better, then we cannot reach and influence and do the things that God wants us to do. Everybody say amen. So I want you to notice it said all scripture is given by, by inspiration of God, which means it was breathed out of the very mouth of God into the ears of man as they disseminated it across the earth with their writing and their talents. Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for what? Everybody, if it's up there, read it with me. It's useful for what? Teaching, rebuking. Everybody say rebuking. Y'all know what that word means? It means to really get on to you. Correcting and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. So what's God trying to do when he corrects us? What's he trying to do when he convicts us? What's he trying to do when he teaches us? What's he trying to do? To equip us for every good work. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, you're not going to get a bunch of rebuking here. But, but I will tell you that if it's necessary and if God speaks through me something that challenges you, don't get mad and offended. Go, God, do you? Do I need to change that? Right? Come on. Because I'm only preaching the Bible. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And, 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 and with gratitude in your hearts. When I first got saved, I'm telling you, my life changed. And it changed in a significant way. I became a student of the Word. You could go into my room and my room was like a library. I'm telling you, there were commentaries and books. This is before we had all this computer nonsense. The, the interwebs did not exist at that time. And I mean that seriously. Some of you are looking like, is that, is that real? Yes. There was a time where we didn't have phones that we carried around in our pockets. Our phones had wires on them and they connected to the wall. Come on, somebody. Y'all remember that? Anybody remember that? Okay. 
And so I just studied and I studied and I studied and I studied and I memorized scripture and I believed God and I prayed and I prayed. And I I have maintained that kind of mentality my whole Christian life. And the reason is, is because I know that God wants to do something significant in my life. And I know that God wants me to share that life with you so that you'll share that life with others. The third thing is a declaration. Everybody say declaration. In other words, in this discipleship relationship, you're speaking the word over their lives and over their spiritual journey. Listen, the word, the word is so powerful. The Bible says the word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Listen, the word is so powerful. It does things you don't realize it does. It's not just a Bible scripture to remember a good principle. No, this is divinely inspired. It's anointed. Somebody's being defeated. You can start speaking the word of God about victory into their life and their their whole demeanor will change. Their whole attitude will change. Their whole situation will change. Why? Because the Bible says the word of God is truth and God's truth is powerful. And it not only informs us, but it transforms us. So speak the word over their lives. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, it says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is a light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Declare the word of the Lord over their lives. It helps align their lives with the purpose of God for them. Amen. And nothing can harm them. Then nothing can overcome them. Then why? Because, because the Bible said all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now for a foundation, a foundation, this is what it looks like. It looks like a foundation. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Therefore, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So this whole relationship that you have with whoever this is you're discipling, this is all about building a spiritual foundation underneath their feet so that when the storms come, they're not defeated. When the storms come, they don't get lost. When the storms come, they don't disappear from the faith, but they walk in strength and courage because no matter the storms that hit everybody's life, the people who stand on the Bible, the word of God and do what it says will stand like a rock. They will not be moved. And if you have someone you're trying to work with and grow in the faith, then put a foundation under them of the word of God so that they will not be moved no matter what the enemy does. Don't be that man who built his house on the sand and watched the storm destroy him. Be that man who built his house on the rock. And it's not just about reading the word. It's about doing the word. Come on, everybody. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. What, what, am I trying to, what am I trying to do with this relationship of discipleship? What am I trying to do with it? I'm trying to found their life on Jesus. 
everything goes back to Jesus. It doesn't come back to me. It doesn't come back to you. It doesn't come back to the church. It doesn't come back to the organization. It goes back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus. Well, what do I do? Jesus is your answer. Or what's going to happen? Jesus is your answer. Or what should I do? Jesus is your answer. Why? Because Jesus is our foundation of hope and nothing can destroy him. Nothing can defeat him. Greater is he, John said, in the, that he that's in the world. That, greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. There's nothing in this world that can defeat us if we stand on the foundation of Jesus. And then number five and last, a demonstration. Everybody say demonstration. In other words, we are to demonstrate the power of God by walking in harmony with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage everybody in this church, whether you're baptized in the Holy Spirit or not, I want you to start praying, God, give me a fresh baptism in your Holy Spirit. When I pray, fill me up with your Holy Spirit and manifest all those gifts in my life. And fill me up with your Holy Spirit and manifest, most importantly, all that fruit in my life. That I may walk in joy and peace and love and faith and temperance and goodness and all of those things. Let it flow out of me. Anoint me to be filled with your Holy Spirit and cause my life to be a demonstration to the people around me so that they see me walking in harmony with the Holy Spirit and it may change their life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 in the NIV says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Model for them the ways in which we should go. It's like the scripture I read earlier. This is what the Apostle Paul said to those who followed him. Follow me as I follow Christ. This is really all we're asking you to do, is to have the courage and the strength and the anointing and the acknowledgement of this call on your life. This, this call is not a call on my life. I have my call as well. But this call, this call is on your life. And you have to uh, acknowledge that and understand this is what God wants for you, that you would advance the kingdom of God. That in your workplace, you would advance the kingdom of God. Of God. And in your school, you would advance the kingdom of God. And in your family, you would advance the kingdom of God. A few years ago, I was about 19. We started our first, <laughs> we started our first youth ministry. And we were, well, let's just say, what's the word? Baroque. Uh, can y'all say that with me? Broke. Like we had no money. Anybody ever been in that place where like, uh, I, I had some money yesterday, but there were holes in my pocket and I have none today. How, how many of y'all hear me? So um, what, is, what is going on? So, uh, so anyway, I'm sorry, I heard something and I thought the sound system was doing something weird. So anyway, so this guy comes to my house, and he's a young guy. He can't be much older than me. Me and Janae are sitting there, and he's, this is back when they used to sell um, vacuum cleaners house to house, door to door. And this guy came in. Now, let me tell you something. I was broke. Did I tell you that part? Like, we had no money. Like, no, like we, were, we were doing good to, to just get the bills paid, you know. And... <laughs> And this kid came into our house and he started telling us about this vacuum cleaner. And he started 
sharing with us all the little doodads and gadgets on this vacuum cleaner. You know how you like a really light vacuum cleaner? You know how you like to go get that shark at Walmart and it's just light? You just carry it anywhere with one hand. This vacuum cleaner laid at least two tons. I mean, it was heavy. But he had us, it was automated. It will move for you. He basically sold us on this idea or this thought that, 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 that this, this, this vacuum cleaner will wake up in the morning and vacuum the floors before you get up. That's, I mean, that's how it felt. He was so good. He was selling us. I think he was a drug addict because he was really trying to make that money. You know, I mean, he was desperate. And he was selling every, I mean, every aspect. He was selling and 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 selling until finally we in our broke selves said, well, I am my broke self with my wife doing this to me. I said, I think we need this. I think we need it. Because then he did a demonstration. And he vacuumed up our floor. And our floors, man, I did not have any clue. But our floors had like 17 years of just dirt packed in. That's what it felt like. Because, I mean, that thing, I don't know how he did it. But, man, he made us think that our floors were the dirtiest thing that ever. Like, I'm surprised. Is this a dirt floor house? I don't know. And, I mean, he just convinced us. And just, and I'm telling you, we, we signed a contract with him to pay out that vacuum cleaner and it was $1,500. But I did it. I did it. I think we're still paying on it, really. Uh, no, I'm joking. But I do think we paid on it for a long time. But uh, the truth is, demonstration is what matters. You know, inspiration's good. Foundation's great. Declaration's awesome. And education is important. But when it comes down to it, the invitation only counts if there's demonstration. What has God done in your life? Well, I'm not a theologian, Pastor. I don't know the Bible in and out. You don't have to be. Uh, you do realize when the 12 disciples were called to do this and they started the vision to change the whole world after Jesus ascended and sent them the Holy Spirit and said, now go change the world. You realize they didn't have the Bible we have, right? You, you realize that they still, all they had was still the Old Testament texts. The, the Bible we have today were letters that were written by the apostles inspired by God to each other to keep going, to keep going. To keep going. But they were operating and functioning on what? Their story. The story of what Jesus did. We are eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus died and he rose again so that we might have life. In conclusion, I want to lay a challenge before you. And I want you to take it. I don't care if this is your first day at Summit. I don't care if you're watching online. I don't care if you've been here forever. I'm asking you as a pastor, as a man of God, trying to follow the Spirit of God to bring the church to a new place. 
It's really an old place that we've left and we need to go back. I really believe with all my heart, and please know, everyone focus for just a moment, please know that I'm not condemning anyone in any way. I know we, it is what it is. We are where we are. But at what point is we as believers going to say, you know what, we're not going to be like this anymore. When I think of the American church today, here's what I think. I think of that church that the Apostle John spoke of that he said, I believe it was Laodicea, he said, you've left your first love. A lot of people preach that you lost your first love. No, it's not lost, it's left. Left your first love gives that connotation that you were standing at the altar and they were pronouncing you man and wife and you turned and you walked away left gives that connotation that you were on board that you were all for it when you needed God to save you and when you need your sins to be forgiven but as things have gone forward life has piled in and other things have become more important I'm not saying this of everyone I'm just saying of those of us who have experienced this and we all have at one point or another and my challenge to the church today is please please go back to the altar Go back. Remember the passion. Remember the love. Remember what it felt like to be in communion with God and to hear His voice. Remember what it was like when you experienced God and you said, I'll never be the same again. But somehow you are. Why? you left because I left so my challenge to us today is let's get it back let's take steps back in the right direction let's take steps in the direction of the assignment that God gave us to begin with let's take steps back to the heart of God let's take steps back and let our heart be broken for the things God's heart is broken for Let's stop being mad at the world and start loving the world like Jesus loves the world in order to bring them out of the world and into the family of God. So I want to give you this challenge. The first part of this challenge, and I'm closing now, is disciple at least one person. I'm asking you to disciple at least one person. I'm asking every person to connect with the small group when the small groups come up. I've said this for so many years. And I just don't understand why some people just won't do it. Listen, transformation doesn't happen in this room. It happens in relationships. And relationships happen in small groups. I'm asking you to attend church more. We've got to break this cycle that people are on. We've got to break it. It's got to be broken because it's taking people down the wrong road. We've become consumers of Christianity, not consumed with Christianity. So if you're attending church once a month, come twice a month. If you're attending twice, then come three times a month. Better yet, just start making it the everything you do every weekend. And, and, and then I'm challenging you to serve. Get involved. If you're sitting in this church receiving ministry and hearing ministry, but you're not actively involved in the church, then get up. 
go find a pastor, say, I want to be involved in some capacity. It can be where you're gifted. It can be where you're strong. That's where we want you. But I'm challenging you to stop making excuses and time frames and calendars and blah, blah, blah. Answer the call of God on your life. And step in. Lean in. I'm asking you and I'm challenging you to continue having a daily relationship with Jesus. And I'm asking you to do another 21 days with me and with our staff. 21 days of fasting. We've got more journals. If you've used yours up, we've got more. I want us to make 2024 about taking the challenge of discipleship. That's what it's about for us. That's what it's about for this church. That's what it's about. And I know, I know that this may be a little intense. You're like, well, I just came to church to hear a little mess. No, listen, that, that day's over. The, the day for playing church is over. People are dying. People are going to hell. Did you hear me? People are dying and they're going into eternity without God. People you know, people you live next door to, People in your family, people who you love are dying and going into eternity without God. Now, I know we don't like to talk about it, and I know it doesn't feel like a reality anymore because everybody says, is that even real? It's real. And we need to do something about it. Church, we need to do something about it. And the only thing to do about it is not hate the world, to you know, rail against the world and be political against the world. No, the thing to do about it is take the bushel off, shine the light, and let God do what He wants to do. And how do we do that? We do it by taking the challenge. Amen? Come on, let's take the challenge. Let's do it for real. Let's stop. Let's stop. Listen, I know people, I know Christians that are more serious about their fitness challenge than they are about spiritual things. Come on, are you with me this morning? Uh-oh, uh-oh, did I hit a nerve? Yes, we're more serious about our financial challenges for financial fitness in the year than we are about growing spiritually and making a difference with our life. Come on, come on, church. Are we going to do it or not? Are we going to step in? Are we going to lean in? Are we going to be who God's called us to be? Let's do it. Amen. Stand with me. I want to encourage you today to be a giver. Um, and uh, I'm closing right now. I said I was closing a while ago, but this is, this is official. Um, um, I, wanna, I want you to be a giver today. You know how to give. Simple, safe, and secure. Give online. Give here with an envelope in the back. But be a giver. Don't let the world's pressures and stresses and worries and rumors keep you from obeying the Word of God. We've got lots we need to do to advance the kingdom of God. And it takes all of us giving our time, our talent, and our treasure. And I just want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for being a church that gives your time and your talent and your treasure. Now let's just take it to another level of discipleship where we are personally and individually engaged. So I want to encourage you to give today. But I also want to share something with you about something we call vision offering. Now, get, if you'll open up your the little booklet that was in your chair. Um. Every year, month to month, we give to these ministries that you see in this book. We're not doing that this year. I believe God wants us to do more. 
And so a lot of the times we've taken vision offering and we've said, we're gonna make vision offering all about improvements on our building, improvements here. Now that's a part of this, but really what we wanna do is I wanna be able, because we believe that there are people in the world that are doing ministries. Everybody focus on me, you can look at that in a minute. You people, you like, it's like a classroom, isn't it? Uh, I believe that there are people in the world and organizations in the world that are doing things we would love to do, but they're way better at it than we are. And they're good at doing it and they are making a difference in their own right. And so we can't do everything. How many of you agree? So we want to help those who are doing things that we believe in. And so all of these organizations you'll see in here, we're going to give to them. But this time, instead of doing a monthly a gift to them all, all year, we're going to do a one-time gift to each one of them based out of our vision offering. Because we believe that the church should tithe. You tithe to the church. We believe the church, all of us together as an organization should tithe. So we're, we're giving this offering to the people in this, to the organizations in this book. Okay. And one of those is Heart for the House. And Heart for the House is about some upkeep things and some, uh, some, uh, bettering of some of our facilities, especially in our kids' areas. And so that will be a part of what we do as well. But my goal for this is $100,000. Now we've, in the vision offering before, we've given as much as 70, I think $78,000 was our highest one, or maybe it was 68,000, almost 70. I can't remember, but it, it, was, it was high. We can do 100,000. If everybody in the church does their part, now this is over and above your regular giving. Don't give your regular giving to this. It's over and above. Now, we're going to take the actual offering. We're going to take the actual offering on uh, the end of March. Okay, the end of March, last week of March, when the actual offering is going to be taken. But you can give any time before or after to this. Okay? And I just want to go through this real quickly. I know we're, I know we're over time, but I just want to go through it real quickly. Heart for the House's first one is to do some improvements. I just talked about that. Amarillo Angels, they're an organization that helps foster families, and we've supported them. We want to really bless them this year. Fill with Hope is an organization that I've been associated with personally for years now, and uh, Fill with Hope is about taking care of kids who are at risk. They have their food. Uh, they're, I don't know what the word is, but they're, they're at risk for not getting enough food over the weekends when they go home. So this organization, man, they are really going for it and they're really making a difference. And so they're making sure kids are fed. FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, all about getting Christ in front of athletes. I Heart Canyon, of course, the community thing we do for uh, education. Uh, Foster Kids Christmas, the Foster Kids Ministry that we do here. Um, the Market, this is a new uh, thing. It's called The Market on Terra Blanca. And this is a food pantry and it is excellent. And they're doing great work and helping a lot of people. You can read all about that. Children's Cup is a missions organization that, that they go all over the world and they help the impoverished children. And then uh, uh, Faith uh, Christian Church in Tucson, uh, one of our members here, son, works in this ministry and they have ministry directly to uh, the college there in Arizona and make major differences and get lots of folks saved. And then, of course, with Toto that we had here this week. And then First Fruits of Zion. Uh, for more than 30 years, First Fruits of Zion has been restoring the Jewishness of Jesus, bringing Messianic Jews, teaching Christians and Jews, and reconciling disciples from the nations to God's prophetic promises. 
So these are the things we support. We want to bless them. As you can see, that takes care of, you know, a lot of things that the Bible says to take care of. And so we're doing that. And I want you to be a part. So I want you to pray about what you can do. I want you to pray of being a part of this. And I want our vision offering this year to hit that mark. Now, I, I just want to close with this. I want to pray for you. And I want, to, I want us to say our, our commission together. But we can do this. We can do it. And it might take some sacrifice. I don't know if you've ever given out of sacrifice, but I have. And I can tell you, it's always the right thing to do. So if the Holy Spirit deals with you and says, this is what I want you to do, then just line it out and do it because God will bless you. And we don't do it just to receive blessing, but you can't outgive God. That's just the way it works. So I want you to really consider, really pray, God, what can we do to really make an impact? And for some of you, that may be 25 bucks. I don't know. For some of you, that might be 10,000 bucks. So I want to encourage you to say, I want to contribute in a significant way. And if you think about $100,000, if everybody did their part, we can get there. It's really not that big. So I want to encourage you to say, God, we're going to make a difference this year, and this is one of the ways we're going to do it. Amen? Amen. So I hope you've received the challenge this morning. I hope you get where we're going. I hope you join a small group in the next month. I hope you take this challenge of reading every day. We're going to continue the group online. Those of you who are on it, you can be on there. You can, you can, you can join it if you haven't joined, but we will continue. And I, here's what I want to say. I want us to start in Genesis. Okay, That's the book we're going to do, Genesis. And so that's going to be a good one. All right, will you say the confession with me? It should go up on the screen. Grab the hand of your neighbor. Lift it up high. And say it with me. Here at Summit, come on, with me. Here at Summit, we are connecting with God and each other through deep, abiding relationships. As disciples of Jesus, we are committed to grow in our faith and church community. We are inspired to carry the gospel into the world locally and globally. Everybody with emphasis say it. Let's go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Give God a hand clap of praise. Now. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.